and welcome to episode 25 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we're also joined by a special guest and longtime friend, Hunter Crump. Uh... Wow, okay, that was great. Uh, we're going to start with the news like we always do. We have a bit of Netflix news, actually a lot of Netflix news. First one coming up is Netflix brought, bought the rights to distribute the new Gundam movie. Uh, this Gundam movie was announced four years ago by Legendary Pictures. I think Legendary still has the rights to the Chinese distribution, but Netflix now owns the worldwide distribution. I think that's probably a big budget movie. Um, probably cost a pretty penny. Netflix has been doing that lately. I think last week we talked about another acquisition they did. And that doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Did um did you say if it's live action? Yeah, it is going to be live action. Yep, they're finally going to do it. Um, I really doubt it's going to be good, but live action Gundam, you know. Can we get uh can we get a scene with Charlie Day just kind of like in there for like five <laughs> to ten minutes being a science guy for no reason, no yeah, comedy, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. cut him out? Like, he goes crazy, and then he's like the villain of the second one, sort of. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, actually, I don't think I ever watched Pacific Rim. I don't, that's what the we're first one was actually right pretty now. okay. The first one was okay. The second one was some hot garbage. Really, it is indeed what I was referencing. Yeah, they tried to do some things and tried to make it more anime, but they totally failed at doing said <laughs> things. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. First one's all right. It's got some really cool kaiju action. Um, some really cool mech suits, like. When the giant arm punches, it has a jet thruster on its elbow. So it just, yeah, it's a really cool way to show that impact. Yeah. But uh, Super. <laughs> moving on, Netflix and Sony have announced that they are partnering up to allow Netflix to stream Sony movies after their theatrical runs. Uh, whether this is a limited theatrical, theatrical run, I'm not sure. That's how Universal has been doing it lately. I think that's how Warner's going to do it next year. But... Um, this accounts for all the new Spider-Man movies, all the new Spider-Man spinoffs, you know, Craven and classic characters like Morbius and uh, Silk. You, you guys know those characters, right? I'm so familiar. Yeah, it's too familiar, just really. Like, the general audience. The, point. <laughs> the Spider-Verse is so much uh, capital, like, you know, they have so much value and name recognition. It's crazy. They should have their own oh, strip their own separate universe okay um wow. it was announced the other, i think yesterday that pete davidson is going to play joey ramon for a netflix biopic uh, i didn't know this was announced at all um this is <coughs> <laughs> this is a fun way to get the world's attention hmm. i'm so upset like ah. Uh... Like for Joey Ramone or for Pete Davidson? No, for Pete Davidson. I don't fucking like Pete Davidson at all. I don't think he's okay. funny. I'm, why is such a cool, like, really interesting musician care. being played by like one of the least cool and least interesting comedians? He hates yeah. Joey Ramone that much, Hunter. Okay, he doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> his whole his whole career is about bringing others down. Apparently, it's, it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Pete Davidson. He's got to have. He must be a really cool guy. You know, because. He Him can... and Jack Harlow apparently tie. I've seen them all, all over social media, and like uh, Pete interviewed him for. Those are literally the two know, coolest white dudes on earth. So, well, they're, they're go figure. Their account friends. definitely agrees with that. I mean, 
Well, um, yeah, they both consistently um, defy my expectations, so I gotta give them props, you know? Like, you know what? That's that's accurate, I yeah. think, for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I'll give so, them that. You know, <laughs> props they to be, Pete They'd be breaking some glass ceilings somewhere. Somewhere, know? somehow. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere for, for we honkies, you know? Okay, um, next piece of news is a little kind of meta news. Uh, Netflix remains the most frequently cited as offering the best of uh, original programming. This is according. Yeah, to... I I saw that. It was like it was like a pretty good percentage of people. Yeah, uh, this is according to a survey that was put out by somebody. Um, I didn't put enough info, but yeah, thirty eight percent of people <laughs> cited Netflix as the best original content, and then twelve percent said Amazon Prime, followed by Disney Plus, Hulu, and HBO Max that scored within six to seven percent. Which <clears throat> makes sense. It almost feels. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's. I mean, like Netflix has been a household name for over, like, well over a decade now. The I meme mean, of shoot, watching I mean, something at your couch with a person over is Netflix and chill, right? Like, like yeah. it's even it's if it's Hulu and meme, fuck or whatever. It, it, like, it, no it one says that. Through, I mean, shoot, everyone, everyone knows a Netflix. So stuff. what I mean, what this survey looks like, it's definitely a good. Um, I don't know, a good way to represent the numbers. But is this not just, oh, there's a shit ton of Netflix households, and then I'd say Amazon Prime is probably number two? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, so there was yeah. other data in the report. Uh, Where did they, I mean, like, who did they, like, you know, interview for this, sur- like, who did they survey? Was it, like, totally random? Was it just, like, looking at, like, percentage of time a household spends watching netflix versus no it's a it's a it's a calm respond kind of thing and it might have been followed up with the email survey too so it's just you know what kinds of people reply to phone calls that say hey we take a survey and what kind of people respond to emails that say hey we take a survey but it's supposed to be a random sampling but then you have weird biases of like well it's probably people who aren't at work in the middle of the day and it's also going to be people who are typically older and typically white which again there's a lot of combinations there typically wealthier um so yeah yeah can afford to have a a home but uh, there's also interesting fact inside of that with the uh, morgan stanley survey that the average household the average household has two and a half streaming services um under their like purchases Mm -hmm. but if you switch that population to instead of being average household to if you have one how many do you have it's so like you just have to have one. What's the average then? The average is four. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So people not having it shifts the average from four to about two and a half. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. So it actually means that if you pay for one, you have to have four, or at least access to four. I don't. I don't know if they reported purchased or access to because <clears throat> some people do some. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to say <laughs> access to. I was like, if I go on like my Xbox, my PS4, and like any other device all different i could i own most subscriptions but like i definitely have noah's disney which isn't his disney on something (laughs) i've got something of yours john somewhere i know that i have justin's disney on something else i have disney plus i don't need it (laughs) like (laughs) i have it it's just people are like oh this on your on your on your system who cares i'm just like so i have like all of them 
but I I pay for a lot of them. I still don't use myself. It's kind of bullshit. I didn't really I really need to show you. Something. You know, I I, I actually quick link and I'm uh, just skimming through this a little bit. I really appreciate how on this survey, Showtime and Stars both get one percent. I mean, that's pretty They're good, ass. guys. That's pretty good. <laughs> the interface sucks. <laughs> like like the Showtime Anytime app on Xbox. I remember my freshman year of college trying to watch Shameless on that. Yeah, and it just didn't work. Right at all like i mean stars yeah stars chooses when it works um I, i'm just amazed that anyone would say they have the best programming uh so that that's great i i wonder who those people are because apple tv has one percent more apple tv's been around what <laughs> two years maybe no no apple tv apple plus TV has been out for like yeah, apple nine TV months plus is the streaming weird. service like nine months oh really? yeah but i said they, yeah. they gave me a free year because I got a new phone. I got a new it iPhone. was over the pan, or maybe it's closer to twelve months now. Because it was over the that's pandemic. I, I think it came out in March. Because I think that's when that Mythic Quest show came out. So yeah, okay, it's started been like that, thirteen months actually. Yeah, it's been so, thirteen. So months. I wonder if the survey is really just exposure to all these programming or all these streaming services. Um, not saying it's exact, but it, it seems like it's following the Disney Plus being super popular, more popular than HBO Max, you know, and whatnot. Um, yeah, but that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, next off, we have some casting news for the new Indiana Jones movie. It's announced that Phoebe Waller-Bridge and Maz Mikkelsen have both been, you know, casted to place uh, unknown roles. We don't have any actual details, but both these people are pretty credible actors. Uh, I was about to say, is it terrible that I don't know who either of those people are? Uh, Maz Mikkelsen's the, I think he's a Swede, I think he's Swedish. He's the Swedish you know Maz actor. Mikkelsen. You've seen him in so many things. And What's I he in? He's the faux villain in Doctor Strange 1. He's the, um... He's yeah. in Hannibal in the Hannibal TV show. Yeah. I think he's up for an Oscar this year in, like, a movie where he plays a drunk. He, he's uh... In Doctor Strange. He had a Netflix original movie called Polar, I believe. Maz, um, M-A-Z? No, it's M-A-D-D-S. No, Arctic. Arctic. Maz. Arctic. Or M-A-D-S. Arctic? Not Polar? <laughs> For sure. Okay. For sure, Arctic. Gotcha. Ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. Super villainous looking guy. Okay, yeah. and the other one? Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's coming up. She's been pretty popular the last, what? Three years, two years, maybe. Yeah, she's the protagonist oh, in Fleabag. Fleabag, yeah. yeah I yeah. loved Fleabag. She's awesome. She, uh, she's working on something with Mr. And Mrs. Um, Smith. Yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy. Yeah, so that, with, that's uh, interesting. With Dino, aren't they writing it? Yeah, uh, yeah, they're both starring in it. Okay. They're producing. I'm not that's sure awesome. if they're actually writing. Yeah, it, I, just, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought they had some sort of hand in the the pre-process yeah but i'm not excited for this movie um but these castings How would you be? these castings they, i mean i'll say these castings are interesting and james mangold is a great director um so about indy's long lost wife yeah what she about uh, crystal skulls you know you think you crystal think they'll you, bro run it back with all shia labeouf bro <laughs> I feel like I said that the last cast, didn't I? Really? Not <laughs> bad. <laughs> you think Probably they'll acknowledge it, though? Jets. I mean, Indiana Jones literally knows they're aliens. Do you think in the fifth nah. one he's going to be like, hey, I need to tell nah. you guys? They're literally probably just going to act like it 
never happened and just keep it rolling. That's it. They might, uh, they, I mean, who knows? They might make one little joke, but that's probably it. I would just think that he has some sort of uh, moral obligation to tell the Earth that they're legit aliens. Um, so I'm going to be disappointed if this movie doesn't tackle that <laughs> just a little bit. So what, what if Shia LaBeouf is in it, but he just plays like a homeless man yelling about the aliens existing and just no one just pays him. There we go. Okay. You're on a super something. small cameo. He's super <laughs> made up. And you're just like, oh shit, that's Shia LaBeouf. Uh, probably can't pay him anymore. He's not. He's he not the hottest. Yeah, he's Didn't not the he, hottest. Like, star. like two months ago, for what? he's doing it for probation work. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> community this, service. This is all pro bono. Pro bono. No, uh, we talked about it a couple months ago because apparently he was up for a Marvel role, and uh, oh, <laughs> then yeah, he got Glenn Howerton. But yeah, not but as, not, not as, but not not as not as sad because he did it to himself and he's a shithead. But right. <laughs> so you not know, I, Glenn Harrigan. I do want Glenn to be hyper successful. Uh, if only he was Star Lord. Different world, different timeline. You know, if only Chris Wait, Pratt did didn't fucking exist and look like the human version of a golden retriever. You know, did we have the conversation not to completely derail? But did you know Glenn Howerton's hey, anti-vaxxer? your bowl. That's great. <laughs> Did, did we know that Glenn Howerton's anti-vax? Um, did we know that? I don't is know. Is he? I feel like I talked about it, but maybe I just read it on Reddit and forgot to mention it. Is he? Like like confirmed or, or just read just it? just one of those guys who's <laughs> like, well, what if, man? I think he tries to play off as a what if, man, but he's like, I'm not getting the vaccine and here's why. List a bunch of fake science. and like, kind of my, It's kind of like my dad. Like it, it, It's like a Facebook post from an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> like, honest, it's just people... I'm just skeptical with big science, and you're like, Dad. no, shut up. Big science, they're out to get me, okay? I'm clearly the target of their goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> they want me. They want me dead. Yes. See, my life is very interesting, and I the government that... is run by a conclave of evil people. <laughs> I don't know, man. After I got my second dose Monday, like, uh... Tuesday into early Wednesday, I was like, man, I'm dying. <laughs> but... <laughs> Woke up today, we're good. You're not Rebooted. feeling good. I'm an official product of Microsoft and Bill Gates. It feels good to be good good to be an American, you know. <laughs> You're not feeling a craving for adrenal glands. <laughs> right. Nah, right. The Man, adenochrome, was... adenochrome robes. Yeah. You start God. eating little children. <laughs> I did finally watch the vaccine special. <laughs> that was so good. Okay, uh, you know, uh, we can get into that. Uh, let's try to finish yeah. the news, actually. Word. Uh, yeah, yeah, next piece of news. Riot Games is looking to create a cinematic and TV universe for their popular video game, League of Legends. I ship that. I'm all about it. Yeah, they uh, could not be any more indifferent. They are super wealthy. They're one of the few games that has really... I mean, it has lore, don't get me wrong, but the game is not a PvE game at all, right? There is no bosses, there are no, you know, content quests you can go do. All the lore that you read about is, like, in the cinematic trailers for a new champion to come out or in you know, some kind of gameplay trailer about a completely PvE game. So it's super interesting that they really are wanting to expand on the storyboard side of things because every single fan I know of League knows all the lore, which is a completely unique phenomenon to me because 
every game I've played, I like barely can recall the story because I'm mostly just like it's Halo. You just shoot people and you got a gun, and it's Call of Duty. It's a war of some kind. And you just shoot people and you have a gun, and you know you might know some big picture stuff, but like for me personally, I'm like, like you do the story, and even if you know every detail, it's because you did a story, right? You played through it, and this is a video game where you never play through the story ever, not once, mm-hmm. and people are still super into it, um, and it's like everyone which I feel like might not be necessarily true for other games, which is just crazy. And this is like the 10th different project they've announced. Like, obviously they have Valorant that came out. Um, they're still working on their shooter. They just released their first-person game. They have like two mobile ports for two of their games. The fighting game. Um, yep. Uh, and then they have an MMO that they're working on, too. And so you're like, I'm kind of all about, like, if they become the what like Blizzard was in circa like 2013, 2012 time, and then bigger, you know, they don't go on the opposite trajectory. Right. I'll be, I'll be cool with it. Like, no complaints for me. It's really interesting. See, uh, well, uh, I'll expand upon this piece of news. Uh, they didn't announce anything. They didn't have any sort of press conference. They just posted a job listing, literally titled "Global Head of Live Action TV" and "Global Head of Live Action Film." Um, they go on to describe both things, basically. You're going to be crafting a giant narrative, yada, yada, yada. They want a cinematic universe. Um, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure who will pick this up. Um, because I'm not sure if Tencent and Riot Games have any sort of connection to like Netflix or Warner or anything like that. Um, yes, I'm I mean, sure they don't exactly. Yeah. But I bet there's enough people and overlap in their executive boards and in their, like, you know... Uh, down the line. What's the word? <clears throat> like, you know, people who have been involved with other companies in non-essential, like, game development roles. So, like, the PR team, the marketing team, HR, probably have just worked other PR, HR jobs that exist yeah. within that realm, and they're in L.A., so LA is housing all of the big entertainment industries anyway, whether it's Warner, whether it's um, Disney. Like, I'm sure it doesn't take too many phone calls, too many degrees of bacon to figure out, you know, <laughs> who, who you can get They're like, charter. distribution? Nah, we got it. Yeah, the CEO of Tencent and the CEO of Warner, they're six degrees of bacon away from each other. <laughs> they know a guy. <laughs> okay, uh... Yeah, we have a new announcement of a movie called Memory. Now, this movie is going to star Liam Neeson, Guy Pearce, and Monica Bellucci. And the plot is pretty much, Assassin refuses to do a job due to some sort of moral obligation or some something. Um, but he has severe memory loss. So, gross point blank, if they tried to make the plot device funny, because somehow memory loss is funny? Well, this isn't, it's just going to be a straight up uh, action thriller, so, no. Um, It's not a comedy? Nope, this is not a comedy. (laughs) Sadly not. If it was a comedy, I actually think that might be pretty interesting. (laughs) Maybe funny. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like it's going to, if it's done poorly, it's going to be portrayed as comical. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of those movies so bad that you'll laugh at it. No, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming Liam Neeson's going to, you know, he's going to meet a guy, but his face will change or something. He's like, oh, I'm not sure if this is the guy. And then uh, he has to write things down to remind him. 
you know memento right <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and then the end will be the beginning it will be crazy okay <laughs> right overly well, tarantino this one i just like have this scene oh, have you seen that guy that's been making uh i think it's just tiktoks but he'll uh He'll, he'll be like, if Tarantino made blank, and it's just like he get like he'll just do this whole bit where he's like, all right, give me an arrow, now flip it, rewrite it, and then he'll just like say Samuel Jackson's name, and it's just it's pretty good. Yeah, that what you just described is like turning on an audio description for like a Dave Chappelle special, <laughs> and now Dave tells a really funny joke. Here's none of the parts of the funny joke. I'm gonna just know that he said this funny. video. I swear, it's just it's just, it's. Pretty funny, okay, uh, that thing could be funny. I believe you. I love this piece of news because studios are still doing these. Just Hitman has some sort of problem or predicament, and he Hitman's his way out of it. Probably gonna sacrifice himself. There's probably gonna be a woman uh, that he loves or somebody, you know. James Bond. Yeah, I, I just you know, it's it's crazy. Um, and speaking of studios being totally short-sighted and i don't know blind to the zeitgeist universal has announced a movie called renfield i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a character named renfield but apparently he is a side character in bram stoker's dracula so i can only assume this is to expand their monster verse or whichever monster verse they're working on because this what? is they're just building up <laughs> to make the league of extraordinary gentlemen again I think, okay, that's what they were trying to do before they canceled all that and lost a billion dollars or two with the mummy. Yikes. Um, but with this new Invisible Man movie reboot, I think this, I'm assuming this is just going to be a modern telling. Or maybe it'll be like the one we talked about with uh, Lord of Miller, where they're trying to make a meta monster movie, where I don't think it's going to be connected to anything. So, so. Renfield is an inmate in a quote-unquote lunatic asylum that is overseen by the main doctor of the Dracula story. Wow. Uh, he sounds like he needs a movie. <laughs> sounds like he needs yeah. an entire movie, and it sounds like Chris McKay, the director of Lego Batman, should direct it. <laughs> oh, actually, so apparently the uh, real-life terminology for, like, clinical vampirism came from studying this character. Oh. So that's kind of interesting. So, like, psychiatric patients who have an obsession with drinking blood, IRL, that whole, like, field of study was spawned from this character. Because I guess, until then, people weren't really, like, at least, you know, Western white, you know, Europeans weren't like, let's go drink some blood. And so now it's just, like, in the zeitgeist of... Here's a cool edgy thing. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I had to look up Renfield, and that was, that was the first scary. fact on his So, page. the guy that did Lego Batman is directing it? Yes, he is set to direct this movie for Universal. Correct. I liked Lego Batman, but... It's weird how these people get their jobs. I don't know. Yeah. I, he probably had some pitch. Apparently, the story was pitched by Robert Kirkman, uh, the creator of The Walking Dead and other comic books. Okay. Yeah, so who knows? I, I just didn't even know this character existed, so it'll be fun to see how this fares with anybody. It'll be, it, it'll be fun. That's a word for it. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. it'll be it'll fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> okay, uh, a little better news, uh, not just pointless, tacky production or 
movie productions, uh, Florian Zeller has announced that his next film, The Son... Uh, That's well, the dude who just did the movie that we just watched, right? Yes, the Father? Yes, the director of The Father, the writer and director of The Father. His next movie, The oh, Son, shit. will now star Hugh Jackman and Laura Dern as its leads. Um, the Son... The Sun is basically, it's a story about a character who's going through a difficult period after his parents' divorce. It is the second in a trilogy. There was the mother, or the father, the son, and the third one's actually the mother. The Holy Spirit. Exactly. That's going to be the third one, the Holy Spirit. It's a a horror movie, (laughs) kind of like The Exorcist. Uh, It's pretty good. Yeah. uh, Oh, it plays with everything, though. I know, I do, I do, I really do. I'll, it's I'll literally, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I know, I literally, sure. like, I heard that, I was like, gosh, these the worst critics think this shit is hot. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Literally people who have no idea what they're talking people about. People who literally hate good watching thing. movies, <laughs> <laughs> love this movie, alright, I'll check it out. See, um, I, I, I didn't know he had a trilogy of plays. I didn't realize this was going to be a series, or hmm. at least supposed I, to I, be a series. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't follow Broadway slash like yeah, theater not, at all. So I'm not, I'm not I couldn't, been the one I couldn't tell you either. But it's, I fell asleep. It just from the description, I don't remember. Let me actually look it up now. While I'm talking about it, but the Marriage Story. Do you yes. know that guy? No. Who's the director of that? No idea. Noah something, right? Okay, yeah, Noah Baumbach. Uh, mm. He has an earlier movie based on a similar premise because I guess he, a lot of these stories are based on his real life, so it's like he writes and directs them. Um, but it's called Noah and the Whale, I believe. Um, Not a band. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is. I was about to say, I was like, I think the band I love. Yeah, they have that one really awesome song. I couldn't then, tell you what it's, it's on, called. It's like a, it's like a. Let me yeah. see. <clears throat> trying I, to find I, the name I of it. I don't know. What it's I, I can the see both it on Groove Shark. It's gonna, it's gonna bug me. Oh my god. But both the descriptions. Oh no! Excuse me. It's called the Squid in the Whale. His name just happens to be Noah, and the character's name is Noah, who's the main character. Um, okay. So, but yeah, anyway. It, it's like an independent drama, and it's pretty short, if I recall correctly. I think Wes Anderson helped produce it, and it was like his first big thing they got him onto screen. Um, and I think actually in the movie The Marriage Story, the dad who's the director. Do you have you, you've seen The Marriage Story? I've not, or not seen The Marriage Story. A Marriage Story. Never mind. I, I won't spoil. A lot of the characters are based on him and his life, or his parents' life, or whatever. And uh, this one's super fucking weird and not a very good movie, but. It's about the child's perspective of basically a family going through divorce and shit, um, and also like puberty and a bunch of weird stuff. And so, I don't know, but if it's any, <laughs> so if it's anything like that, I'll be disappointed because again, it kind of gives the same like you know small budget art housey vibes, like very theater born people. And if you go with the edgy extreme versus like the minimalist extreme, like I think those are the two. Like you can go super over the top and like you know. I don't care what critics think. They can go like, "No, we're gonna do it under budget and cheaper. Like we're still gonna make like a normal ass movie." I think, as far as Florian Zeller goes, like he tends to go like pretty midline. Like, so 
Hopefully it doesn't end that super edgy area, but that's where that squid and the whale was, and I did not like it at all. Um, you should check it out just to see, so you, we can have a relevant discussion about it, but I think it's on Netflix. I think all of Noah's stuff is on Netflix. Yeah, uh, totally. I, you know, I'm just excited that his name's attached to it. I'm probably not going to look anything up on it. You know, I don't want to spoil it because that's the father. I I would wish not to be spoiled on the father if I were to watch it. You know, here's a good here's a good comparison. Uh, Trial of Chicago Seven and Judah and the Black Messiahs. Uh-huh. I think it'll. I think Florian Zellers will be more like Judah and the Black Messiahs and the uh, or Black Messiah and the uh, Squid and the Whale will be more like Trial of Chicago Seven. Okay. Yeah. I get, I get, wait. So, so is Squid and the Whale a movie? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's a full blown oh. movie that Noah Baumbach did. It was his first movie, and it's about a child perspective of going through a divorce. He's like maybe gotcha. eleven, um, and he's a weird little fucko of a kid in New York, and it's just it's just weird. I'll be sure to it's watch it the same week that I watch The Sun. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Put that down. Drop that somewhere in the memory bank. All right. It's a, uh, it's a two two for this week. You have to watch both. That's what I've been doing. Uh, right? The sun's like, the sun's in development, so you've got about wow. you know but, three years. <laughs> all right. The uh, last movie uh, slash TV news is that Q is set to return for Picard season two. I'm not sure if you guys know, but Picard or Q is... Q anon. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, Q-Anon, oh god coming back <laughs> better so, than ever <laughs> q is a character from star trek the next generation and i've heard nothing but bad things about picard so i'm very sad to hear that q is coming back for season two uh john delancey who played him in the original series is set to reprise his role but that means nothing to me because i don't have um Paramount Plus to watch it. This so. <laughs> is happening. There it goes. Yeah, yours is hard. Having a hard time focusing. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I might get Paramount Plus free trial just to watch Picard. You know, next year or later this year. If it's free. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All you need is a new email, baby. That's it. Okay, and that's it for movie and TV news. Uh, John, do you have our albums for the week? I do. Okay. Uh, it's even more unfortunate than last year also or last year jesus last week um i want to make sure that we explicitly state that today that nora jones album dropped in case you forgot so oh, yeah, you should probably sweet. listen to that because okay. i would like to i would like to talk about that yeah the offspring dropped today and that paul mccartney three imagine thing that we were talking about mm-hmm. turns out uh because hunter and i ended up having to talk about it because uh he liked the song. Did you, what was, was the song that you like off of it? Uh, the single that they released? Uh, who, who's the feature? Dominic uh, Fluke, right? Yeah, Dominic Fike. Fike. Uh, so, Paul McCartney did release McCartney 3 last like November or December, and then through social media and just listening to like you know contemporary music of kind of all sorts, like reached out to a bunch of people to collab with. So, 3 Imagined is a bunch of his songs redone as like modern either pop or R&B songs and not like Paul McCartney songs. So like Anderson Pack is on it. Um, I forget. There's a bunch of like, really interesting collabs that I'm like, I kind of want to listen to this. Uh, I think it's cause I thought it was more of a really meme. good. I think but, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that album. Uh, well, it came out today, so it should be out. Uh, right, it, right. it came out. I, I looked up the Nora Jones one and it's, it's not on Spotify at least. Wow. 
Hmm. Well, uh, Hunter, hang up the call. Her, oh, sorry, to sorry. Right tomorrow, now. tomorrow, 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 Friday, tomorrow. Like tonight at midnight. Sorry. And uh, clarifications. Yeah. Um, and the other thing also. It'll be April sixteenth tonight at midnight. Yes, yes, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you are a terrible reporter. Good thing we have this titled the worst for everyone. Because you're being followed up immediately and just being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, uh, that's it for me. Okay, so uh fucking uh this week we've got Moneybag Yo, uh which is just the dopest rap name. Dopest. Uh, Almost as good as Pooch Iste. Yeah, and Pooch Iste's number two. Noah, did you see uh the um double XL freshman class like voting like page this year? Uh, I don't think they've announced like who's gonna be this, you know, this year's freshman class, or whatever. But like some of these, yeah, some of the people's names this year are just hot garbage. But you like know I remember what? when Ski Mask they, came out, and I was like, "What the shit? fuck is you that?" Can't deny that. Uh, but yeah, so Money Bagio uh, against this pain. We have Motorhead's uh, "Louder Than Noise" live album, which uh, again, Motorhead. live albums from rock musicians, especially metal music, just Shoot. lovely, wonderful. Who's singing that? I mean, yeah. Lemmy's dead, so I feel like Motorhead music without Lemmy is awful. So Lemmy played got, bass, didn't he? We've got a new Peter Frampton Same. album because when has Peter Frampton not stopped making music? Uh, Never. Like from literally like sixty boy. to fucking now, it's just been making albums. Uh, and so I'm sure my mom and stepdad are gonna go see him live again oh, sometime yeah, this summer because loving that shit. They're vaccinated and Peter Frampton, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't know any of these other musicians, so I can't even throw out a recommendation. And they're not even any cool names to like really shoot one, so I'm just gonna ship one. Uh, Lilith Czar, spelt like the Russian leader. All right. With the T. Uh, no relation. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> uh, no, there's definitely no T in Czar. Uh, so, fucking. It's really a single artist. Uh, she's like, she is the equivalent of the singer from Sound of Metal. What do you mean the she equivalent? Does she does that. I mean, because that's not a real band or music oh. group, but she's the vocalist and the like. When you click on their wiki page for that group, it actually just redirects to her, and her name's Juliet Sims. Um, but they go by. Lilith Czar, or she goes by Lilith Czar. And yeah, she, uh, I think she was on The Voice, uh, but other than that, like, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just, who cares, right? Yeah, so what's that's the, it. What's that's this wave of, uh, <laughs> like, Kelly Clarkson equivalent people coming from, like, the mass Singer and all that? Where's where's that whole well, I, that I, I th- thing? Do no, people still, like, get big off those? No, I like? think the mass Singer is already famous people already. Right, but I'm just mean like those shows. Like, do people still like get big deals off of these? Cause like, I don't think I remember, so. I remember Chris Daughtry. Yeah, yeah, Daughtry. Remember, remember Kelly Clarkson. Well, you see, Chris Daughtry didn't win. Yeah, I know, but he, so. yeah, he was just like the most famous third placer, pretty much. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, Jordan Sparks, something like that. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, she, she had a couple pop hits. She had a couple pop hits, like a one yeah. hit wonder. Uh, I just yeah. think these shows have fallen out of popularity so much that star power doesn't even matter, or you know, you can't 
really have a I huge guess. career these days. I don't days. know, man. If you ch- if you check all the TVs in good old Ashland, Kentucky, you're gonna find a lot of people <laughs> that still be watching that shit, including my mom. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better watch your fucking mouth. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big portion of our viewers. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry for any of my mom gets on here every week. <laughs> Was that all the albums? Was, was that it? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, wow. I mean, unless y'all, unless y'all got music from uh, uh, oh, Actually, there, 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 is, there was another one um, uh, that I forgot about. The, one, uh, one at a time, please. Noah, Noah Cyrus uh, has like a collab album coming out with uh, PJ Harden uh, that should come out uh, next week, next Friday. Uh, don't know anything about it. This is the first publicity I've heard of it. I told you that the last album of hers was... Uh, really awesome. Right. Rough. That first song, Ghost, I believe, slaps. Uh, everything else, mm-hmm. man. So, like, I know of, like, so, um, last week, it may have been last week, possibly the week before, uh, I don't know if, I doubt you all listen to Waves, W-A-V-V-E-S, uh, West yeah. Coast surf punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a new single after at least, I want to say two years, maybe just a year of putting out anything. And it's fine. It's not like, I don't know. It sounds like their old stuff was like, I guess, for lack of a better word, pretty melancholy. So it's transitioning to the second part here? Was that that? I mean, I was just saying this stuff dropped. like, And you listened to it, right? Yeah, I listened to it. <laughs> okay, okay, so... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, then, yes, then yes, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's it, 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 all right. I mean, as someone who really liked their other stuff, I I think it might have just been a throwaway single. Maybe it'll still hit. Um, if you'll listen to All Black or Drake of the Ruler, they had a song come out today, actually. And the video just came out, like, within, I think, the past couple hours. Okay. Uh... Again, pretty good. <laughs> so is it, so that's, that's it for albums? We can move on? I think so. All right. So we're going to just go into our highlights and lowlights of the week. Uh, Hunter, if you just want to continue, that'd be great. I'll just continue. Yep. That's my bad. But, uh, and then another single came out last week, Doja Cat and SZA. I, really, I, I like SZA. Oh, yeah, SZA. Yeah, yeah, SZA. yeah uh, Doja Cat. I like the song a lot, Kiss Me More. It's, it's, it's just a – honestly, I'm not going to be surprised if it's like a radio hit during the summer. It just has that. Yep. That whole vibe. Summer vibe. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... I have to refocus my camera. And it's not wanting to do it. Yeah, I don't know what your problem is, my guy. I'm not even moving. <laughs> the ghost of Pikeville. I'll just I'll just talk here. That's fine. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> I have some personal headshot here. <laughs> right. Actually, well, maybe if you didn't went, maybe if you went standing, you could just naturally be close with it. But Don't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do, man. Chill out. Uh, <laughs> I finally made myself listen to anything by JPEG Mafia because I just haven't. Uh, he's alright. Just, I just, just, just missed me. Just missed me totally. But um, yeah, he's got some cool stuff. I like this. Like I went from old to new. And I definitely like the older more than the new. But and then um. Other than the album of the week, I went back and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and listen to uh, Good Kid, Mad City. Still slap. Still slap. Yep. Still slap. And that's that's all I've got, really got to say on it. 
Did you watch anything? Watch anything? Um, I finally watched the vaccination special, South Park. I think you all talked about that one week previously already. We did, but we can humor you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I can talk about it again. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> they just don't miss. Like, I don't know what it is that they just, they just get into the zone of like, all right, we're going to just talk about everything, but also kind of nothing at the same, it's just, they just do it. They, it's, it's a skill they probably honed over 20 years. I mean, yeah, 20... but they've been doing it for like almost 30 years now, right? Uh, like, 25? Like 25, yeah, shit. 96 or 97 like, I mean, was first season. Like, but so at the can I talk about the end? Yeah. Is that? Yeah. Okay. So no, no, no. We're spoilers free. Yeah. <laughs> am I the only one that thought the end was like them being like, that's it? Like this? Is like like the kids are splitting up? They're not friends anymore? Fuck it. I, I wanted to actually mention that too because I had thought about it uh, when you just like brought it up. My feelings on that. That so, I think more over time they're less like discreet kind of like um sitcom episodes of like they're in fourth grade forever and here's this thing like they're never moving on they're always gonna be kids forever and ever and ever uh and it's just another day in the life of but because of the two specials where there was continuity and like some like subplot that continued because it was like you know yeah obviously fucking what's his nuts became the president and now he came back and of course it's still there's that time Trump I was the president of the united but, states <laughs> right but so like it, like they're making these big like world changing things, including potentially splitting up the friendship. Yeah. But I go, it's the same people who could easily restart them all being friends again, no explanation, and no one yeah. would care. So I'm like, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like take it as name. anything serious. Like, but <laughs> I mean, like, if they were going to announce a split up, the... that wouldn't be the way they. Do. Well, to uh, give you a real and canon like. Uh, example for you the episode where Stan's parents separate they have a whole two episodes where they're separated and you're like oh okay the story's actually going to change but literally the very last second of the second episode uh, Randy is just saying to Stan hey pack your bags me and your mom are moving in together (laughs) (laughs) and and that's it so the next episode they could have them separate the whole time and have that be a plot point you know um, right. They they only have those to benefit. I think their flexibility when it yeah, comes to I mean, plot lines. But like they're pretty open about like having like they just they don't want to do it anymore, right? It seems like they're slowing down. I, I think. I, thought, I I just thought they like openly said like 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 they even had that that streamer on the bottom of a few episodes that literally says like hashtag cancel South Park and at the end of the credits for like several episodes right. they were like just please please. <laughs> Please knock us off. <laughs> like, no, I. And then people are just like, "Well, that would be dumb." <laughs> I, I think <laughs> it'll go without. I, I think Trey Parker, Matt Stone. I'd say they'll sign their names off and they'll go without them or something, um, because South Park makes entirely too much money. Don't they do like all the voices? There's no way that you can do it. I, you know, yeah. Honestly, they've probably recorded so much right. audio, you could just splice the entire script of another <laughs> season take, based on yeah, old audio. Chef style. Take, Literally, yeah, like they, they've Cartman said it. Just, if it's been it, like they've said it, they've said it all. <laughs> yeah, Except but, for uh, like the, the vaccine special, they probably had to say coronavirus, and that hadn't been said yet. See, there's like anytime new words come out, but that's yeah. They just go into the booth and record the dictionary and leave it. Cut it up. I I think it was a thing I've read um, two years ago. It was about Hulu's sort of metrics for their viewership, 
and I think on average, just, you know, weighted averages or whatever, um, the average Hulu subscriber watched 100 hours of South Park. And I'm sure there are a ton of Hulu subscribers that never watched South Park. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember Hulu kind of only like the only reason I kept it for a while was because they had South. Park. Yeah, so so South Park, I even if they wanted to quit, even if the two men wanted to quit and just get rid of it, I don't think the companies want that at all. They will literally yeah, pay them. I think, anything. I think it's literally like if they wanted to quit, they still could because of contractual yeah (laughs) they'd be turning down like a billion freaking dollars literally (laughs) yeah that's why they you know take acid and go to reward shows (laughs) they're hoping something might just get them cut out (laughs) oh shoot is that all you watched on uh one more thing i think um oh yeah i started uh mythic quest finally because uh i got a free trial to um Apple TV Plus. Um, watched the first two episodes. I think it's like an eight to ten episode season, just twenty five minute episodes. It's pretty good. Um, at least just in the first two. Uh, it's it's not what I totally expected. Where Rob McElhenney was going to be just like macking. Um, he kind of. I mean, nah. like he like he has that. Like that's just uh, that's just his thing. It's just like a little bit of it, but it's like a little bit more. It's it's like quite smarter. You know, like he's 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 just like he's not he's, he's not running it's a not bar. Glenn. He's running he's running this company that makes World of Warcraft essentially. It, yeah, it's not Glenn Howerton in, in uh, um, the AP Bio. He's not just yeah, playing yeah. Dennis in a new show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like um, they, like the second episode, they uh, they kind of poke at streamer culture, and they're like, "This kid's 14. Yeah, he's a piece of shit." And it's just, it's, but like his opinion literally like decides the fate of the whole game at one point. And it's just like. It's pretty good. Um, I think I, I like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish it. I think if if I could just watch it and binge it in one sitting, it probably would be best. That's right. So I think it's episode seven or eight. I believe it's called. Uh, oh, you've watched it. Dark. Yeah, yeah. I watched something. Okay. Darkest death or dark daylight or dark. Sure. Dying something. It's like it's supposed to be edgy, cringe. It has no relation to the rest of the show. Literally zero. Complete standalone, new characters, new everything. And it's this couple making a game together. Uh, And it's one of the best episodes of, like, a TV show I've seen. Oh, shoot. Okay. The rest of that show, I thought, was trash. Uh, oh, okay. I thought there were a couple characters that were really cool. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are a couple, like... The uh, the writer, the old white dude, or I don't know if he's white, but the white-haired old man. He's like a drunk, and he yeah, just yeah, shows yeah. up sometimes. I can't remember what I else. He's in a couple other things I know, but I can't remember. I think he's hilarious, and yeah, I think uh, fucking Danny Pudi, I believe is his name, from mm-hmm. uh, Community. Uh, yep, he's good. I think his character's awesome and such a change of pace. I, it takes me so long. Like, it takes me probably like half of an episode like remember that he can be a giant douchebag because i'm like just i'm good. like he's, he's this dude some, should be like some range like, man he's like good. kind of autistic uh kind of like you yeah, know I think he actually is out of this world <laughs> abed character and now he's just like a dickhead businessman he's, and it's he's uh, a great actor yeah he's I like, got I kind of range. i kind of like the guy I, I i can only call him rickety cricket i don't know his actual name totally, but yeah. um his characters is like he's probably like 
Easily, it's a little bit funnier than Rob McElhenney's character, in my opinion, at least from the first two episodes. He just can't really do anything, is the thing. Like, he's just kind of like... Yeah, I hate that he's an actual cuck. That's his, yeah, that's literally, his like... <laughs> that's his like, gimmick. Yeah, he's, he's like, second episode, literally, just go, like, beta cuck. And he's like, what the... Okay, uh, John? That's all, yeah, that's, that's all I watched. So, yeah, I actually watched nothing uh except for the movie so i won't go into that um as far as music goes uh let me pull up the playlist real quick um obviously the album um oh yeah taylor's fucking fearless um not too much i want to say but on a similar note to that john mayer album basically i just wasn't aware of how many goddamn songs i knew (laughs) from that album uh it was disgusting like literally tracks uh let's see at least one through nine, I knew most, if not all, the words. And then there's fucking tracks 10 to 26. And I was like, good Jesus. lord, this is a lot of fucking music. Um, and overall, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a Taylor Swift album. And I mean that in terms of a classic Taylor Swift album, not like folklore to me. Uh, folklore is like there. Taylor Swift's like, eh. You know, she makes fine music. It's okay sometimes. There's some good hits. Most of the time it's meh. Um, this was mostly meh to me, um, but for what it was, and I'm sure for like what probably most of her fans feel, um, tremendous, like really, really interesting. Um, because obviously she was what like 15 or 16, and like basically a country artist when this came out. Um, and this is like her first big pop record with like hints of country, but you know she still kind of sounds like a baby. She still has a little bit of her accent that she hasn't like fully you know, fleshed out and transitioned her voice into what it is now. Um, and so now it's the same songs that she wrote when she was, you know, literally a little girl, uh, sung as a, an adult woman who's, you know, what, over 30 now. Uh, so it's just kind of, kind of weird. Um, and then it, it, it weird in a good way, different, I guess, unique. It's not weird, like gross or you shouldn't listen to it. Uh, and then she has like a bunch of extra songs where I guess like, cause originally she was on whatever label, uh, and you know, 16 year old girl they basically have full control like you're not gonna contest or do anything she hadn't had any big huge stardom yet you know she had a couple popular country songs but that doesn't make you anything uh so they basically you know had complete creative and directive control and so now she got to release like eight extra songs that she had originally written for the album um and yeah just produce it how she wants etc so it's cool to hear the artist's unique like real vision kind of like Snyder cut in a way it's just nice to see whether it's good or bad is you know your own interpretation subjective but I I genuinely prefer it I'd rather not have someone see I'm kind of confused I'm kind of not confused but I I guess um yeah confused where I stand on those re-releases because I would equate it to when Kanye kept changing uh Life of Pablo and I hated That's it annoying. every single change. And then Young Thug did it with, um, what was that? Uh, Thugger Girls, uh, Beautiful Thugger Girls. He did that and ruined, he ruined a couple songs with that. So I, I might enjoy that, but at the same time, I just kind of want the original. And I mean, it might suck. And, you know, it might be, oh, we get only the regular Justice League and no Snyder Cut. But at the same time, I just. It's kind of weird to just go back and redo uh, an album or two you didn't like. Small rant because I haven't talked about it, uh, at least on this, obviously. But with the fucking Life of Pablo, I literally remember I was in Louisville with Hunter and Austin and Cameron 
we're going to Waffle House and Life of Pablo dropped and we were like, fuck it, let's listen to it. And Ultra Light Beam plays and I was like, holy shit. We were like six people deep in a small Nissan in the middle of the night, just jamming Life of Pablo going back to my door. Ultra Light Beam came on. I was like, oh my God, it's my favorite song. I like immediately like put it on my Spotify playlist that I like auto download to. The next day, I press play. And this motherfucker, Kanye West, is already editing the bitch. And there was a whole new intro when Chance joins the verse. Oh, or when Chance's verse starts. And the literal, like, snippet, uh, he I forget even the new word that he put in. But basically, it was just a beat, and then Chance started rapping. And now there's, like, a Chance doing one little ad lib of, like, praise God. And then he starts rapping, and you're like, oh, man. And then that happened, like, six new times to every yep. fucking track. Like, Wolves? I don't know that Wolves has ever stopped being re-edited. And it's Wolves, almost... yeah, changed three <laughs> times. I think I sort of enjoyed the original, and then the third edit, I was very confused what I was listening to. <laughs> Yeah, like, so I'm just, I, yeah, I am also on a weird place. It has to be done tastefully. In this case, completely redoing the whole thing once. I'm cool with. I guess so. You know I, mean? I guess that's better. Kind of that is better. I feel like depending Constantly on changing and editing expensive it. Shit. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's just annoying. Whenever, uh, whenever. Because uh, they don't even keep the old versions up, right? So, like, when he changed Wolves, you don't get to listen to Old Wolf 1 unless you, like, pull up on no. SoundCloud or YouTube. Right. Yeah. You know, and then it probably gets DMCA restricted or, like, you know, that's not your property. You can't share that. So it's like. Tame Impala did the same thing with, I think, Borderline whenever the Slow Rush came out. I loved the single version, like, already. Mm. And, like, he just changed, like, just some tiny shit for the actual album. But then yep. the old one was gone, and I was like, bro, what the fuck? Like, wow, it was good. I was jamming. Right. Just cut out like a few things that I was like, oh, well, I kind of miss it, but. Too bad. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll hurry through these last ones here. Um, but basically, we listen to a lot of, like, uh, again, I don't know what the term for it is, but it's pop, but it's not actual pop. It's not Lana Del Rey. It's anti-pop? not. No, it's oh, not okay. that either. It, it's, it's, all, it's all my fresh no, that's pop. That's a thing. Anti- anti-pop is just a thing. It's, it's all my fresh pop finds playlist on Spotify is where I'm finding most of it, but it's like that same. Chelsea Cutler, like, kind of sad, listen to in your car type shit. Um, I, it, most of it's really, really good, so I put them all on the playlist. I'm not even going to go through each one because they're just like singles and one offs. Um, but there's one I want to talk about a little bit, and it's because it's kind of an interesting story ish. Because I guess, in the same way that that one was used for a TikTok um, that I was talking about, the uh, driver's license song. So this one is this girl made a TikTok while she was making a beat, like, or about her making a beat in a song that she vocals, uh, that she sings on. And it's like, what if uh, Phoebe Bridgers, Taylor Swift, and I think it's Lana Del Rey all made a song together? I've seen that. That Uh, And so she writes a song and makes it, and there was, like, so much hype about it and had, like, however many millions of views that she ended up putting it out on Spotify. And then it got started to be played on, like, on national radio, and now it's, like, this huge hit. Uh, And it's called Supposed to... Yeah, and her name is uh, Blue Eyes. Uh, and I was just like, that's such a, like, I, I cared less about the song. The song was pretty good, and it does sound like those three things that she tried to accomplish, so that was pretty cool. But I was just like, is that how music, like, is going to be now? Like, literally, it's going to be picked up on a, yep. it's not a meme app TikTok, but it's, I don't know what to describe, because it's not like Facebook, and it's not like Instagram. Right. You're just, like, sharing, it's almost like, it's, again, akin to Vine, but it's, most things have a comedic spin to them, even if they're like instructional, and even if they're like a slice of life. And so I'm just like, is this the way? Like it, it's so weird because 
when you see an ad on Facebook or you see an ad on Instagram, you know it's an ad. And TikTok is in this weird space where like everything is marketable now and people can like, you know, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like they have to still do the hashtag ad kind of thing on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. Bang Energy, like has oh, literally every TikToker oh, is sponsored by Bang. Bro. And so like every episode for, I don't even know what to call it, every fucking post, you like sometimes they'll like just sit on a Bang label facing forward and then put it down. And you're like, it's just so well integrated into like the system that like, of course it would blow up and then she would like instantly get fame and like get radio plays and stuff. And I'm just like, kind of fucking weird also. <laughs> it's just yeah, strange. Mean, like like uh, algorithms are just choosing who is popular or not. Well, TikTok is partnered with this company called United Masters um, that allows like if you make a song, you don't have to be tied to a label to get your royalties from it. If you, especially if you make it through TikTok cause their big thing is just literally like putting all 100% of the royalties into the artist's pocket. So I think that's like, I, like you, you asked, like, is it going to be the next thing? Like, yeah. And it already kind of is like, I mean, tons of people are doing that. Yeah. That's it for be me. Be on the look. Put your <laughs> yeah. album on, put, put your album on TikTok first. You can, you can make a thing for a whole minute. I mean, shit, if you make a bunch of 60 second songs then shoot. Okay. Uh, I didn't do much. Uh, I'll start off with music. I listen. So you added a song, John. John, you added a playlist or a song to the playlist by Hygen Park. Uh, it's a the Korean song, the pop song. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was playing some video games and needed some music to listen to. So I listened to her discography. She doesn't. I don't think she has one full album, so it's literally 15 songs, if that. Um, I'll just tell you some highlights. Uh, the EP, How Can I? That's a good one, and it's got a banger called How Can I? The titular track. Absolute banger. And then the song, Can You? If you're going to listen to two more of her songs. Uh, Hygen Park is her name. Uh, I'm not going to say Park Hygen, because I think that's like technically wrong or something, and that's just how English translates their names whatever uh but movie wise i watched judas and the black messiah but i'll kind of get into that with the movie review and then i watched the new mutants uh we talked about that last week how it was coming to hbo max and it's a fox x-men movie Mm -hmm. it's incredibly bad incredibly bad um so you know that weird i don't know what to call it the paradigm you were talking about how high school things are either uh-huh. geared towards yeah. younger people <laughs> Say no more. I <laughs> so it's on the extreme adult side yet all the characters are high schoolers uh-huh. yeah so there's literally a, a little there's a literal um i don't want to say there's a shower scene with oh. <laughs> with just some sexual uh i don't know layers to it and you're kind of confused you're just like who was this made for and why was this being why is their whole film crew you know. <laughs> <laughs> um and Rock. and then you're like oh are these two girls then they show you literally they're watching tv and on the tv is some porno looking movie with two women making out and it's awful. This movie is awful. Don't watch it. Don't give them any ideas. We don't need 
any more of this. I'm glad Fox died. Are you still in this awful movie kick that you've been yeah, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, awful movie April. Is that what we're running right now? Yeah, dude. Well, I've been listening or watching some good movies for the actual reviews. So I have to I have to balance it out, you know? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> You don't want garbage, your karma to kick in too gosh, soon and just start strange. watching only crap movies. It's got uh, uh, the woman who played Arya Stark. Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. But, oh, Maisie Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maisie Williams. Yeah, um, it's terrible. Don't watch it. It's even got a guy from the stranger from Stranger Things. It's a bad movie. It doesn't end well. There's almost no positives about it, except the one positive I can say is that they name drop. You know, their mutant names. They name drop really well. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but you know, every line that talks about their you know, their nickname that they're going to get in a year or two when they're calling each other mutant names. Uh, it's actually name-dropped really well, unlike a certain Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> what are we going to call him? Mecha Godzilla. That's what, that's what uh, <laughs> yeah, Congress Godzilla right. totally did. But, yeah, they have... Really? really yeah, I still yeah. haven't watched that. Yeah. I, I was told that I could just watch the fight scenes, and I might do that. Yep. Yep, uh, first fight scene doesn't start till like thirty eight minutes. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it is it on HBO? It's HBO Max. Oh, it's gonna leave HBO Max in like HBO a week Max. or two because it's only for a month. I'll, yeah, I'll just, I'll just I'll just watch it today. It should take like thirty minutes to see all the fight scenes, right? Yeah, uh, I, that's pretty much all I did for this week, or all I wanted to talk about. We want to move on to the reviews. Uh, you want to do album or movie first? All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was still looking at the new mutant thing because I didn't realize Maisie Williams was even in that. Um. So. Uh. God, let's do movie first. I think I don't care. It's easier. We just. I think the we always gonna... do. We do the. We do the lesser one first. I think is our new standard. Um. Or at least what can be collectively commented on the least. Um. Yeah. So yeah, Trial of Chicago Seven, Oscar nominated movie this year. Um. Director? Question mark. I don't even remember. I didn't even write it down. The second this movie started, I didn't even write it anything down. I just took some notes. <laughs> we were we were a little sauced when we watched. Aaron, it. Oh, Aaron Sorkin. That's right. This is an Aaron Sorkin movie. God. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to. Of course it is. Holy shit! I should have known that. I I don't know why my brain didn't know that. But, uh, yeah. So um. Yeah, you want to you wanna kick it off? I don't know if you have anything. Hunter and I watched it together, so I'm sure a lot of our opinions were already shared with each other. Uh, yeah, I'll, so. try to, I'll try not to. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll start off with, so uh, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah this week, and these movies start out exactly the same. I mean, shot for shot, yeah. literally, they start out with the whole montage. You know, in case I forgot what time period it's in, they just shove some montages down your throat to make sure you know what era of movie you're in or you're watching. Um, right. Which I don't appreciate. You can fuck off with that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really belittling. It's very lazy. It makes me feel like I'm an idiot, or <laughs> you assume the audience is an idiot, which is fine sometimes. But get over yourself. Um, so that's just the start of it. Then it goes on to. I don't want to say corny's not the right word, <laughs> but maybe it is. It goes on to give this sort of corny, almost cheesy story with some pretty serious subject matter. And 
I'd say even topical subject matter, uh, you know, things that yeah, can relate to today. It to be like a heavy movie. Yeah, I it, it definitely had some heavy topics. It had some interesting, uh, almost thought-provoking lines and just just different actions of characters or whatever they said in real life or in the courtroom or whatnot. That made you think yeah. about this trial a little more, but it just didn't do anything for me. It didn't do anything new. Yeah didn't do anything crazy there was nothing to this other than oh it's a movie like this is as cookie cutter as it can get for me yeah my um my take was that it was like obviously a serious drama setting Mm -hmm. but they said fuck it let's do like a light comedy you know not not a full-blown comedy but you know just air on the comedic side of this drama yeah uh and so instead of like having comedic relief, it was like they had dramatic relief, which was weird. Uh, you know, like especially in the courtroom itself when the dickhead judge was a dickhead, mm-hmm. you know, like occasionally Sasha Baron would lighten it up with a witty little claim or, you know, when they dressed up in the fucking judge garb and then they were in the police garb. Like, and I laughed, you know what I mean? Like there were funny elements to it. I'm sure mm-hmm. those people were funny people who were like, yeah, fuck you, fuck the law, fuck the mm-hmm. police, fuck everything. Like, the time period sucks. Chicago sucks. Like the fucking election is rigged, and all all the political tropes that I'm sure Aaron Sorkin was like, this would be a good story to tell because 2020 we had shared a lot of the same sentiments. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but that's if you're gonna, exactly if you're gonna what share, it sounds like. Yes, if if you're gonna share this story, don't make me leave it feeling like. But then I just watch, and then. Text outro. Text outro. <laughs> I oh, hold on. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get. I didn't want to get to the text outro just yet. I was gonna hate on the movie in other ways first, but we can skip the text outro. Bring it back around. Um, the text outro. The text outro didn't give you the fates of all the other characters. They're like, hey, you only care about the seven, and you don't care about any of the other characters that we set up. Or the guy who actually wasn't a part of the Seven. Uh, you don't care about anyone other than the Seven and the two lawyers. And it felt weird to me that they did such a thing. Um, yeah. It just felt like a lazy text intro, which is insane to me. <laughs> For a movie that already had a lazy-ass intro with a fucking montage to set up the world. Like, oh, oh, sorry, text outro. So lazy text outro. Movies. My bad. But it also felt like a lazy text. I mean, it's the same. Yeah. It could have served the same purpose, <laughs> right. the intro or the outro. Yeah. And then they decided to double dip, and they introed with a montage and fucking outro with text. And you're like, put it in the fucking plot, or make me care about reading these words. Yep. Set up the characters well enough to make me go. I wonder what happened to these dudes. Yeah, I, I really. Because if he did, I would have just looked it up afterwards on my own because I would have been so interested. You know what I mean? Like. A text outro just serves to play, again, down your own intelligence of, like, you watched a whole movie about some big event. Usually it's a biopic that has a text intro or outro, so, you know, it's usually something that you already at least have some kind of notion of. And then they set up the big plot points, and they show you the big action, and then it ends, and it should just end. And sometimes they're like, here, let's spoon feed you a couple little facts, make you feel better or worse about yourself, and then move on with your day. And because they do that, a lot of people don't end up 
thinking about it ever again because well, that was resolved. That guy got ten years in prison. Good for him. And you're like to the Wikipedia and then just copied it for the theme. Just went. Yeah, and it's all the movie. Yeah, it's just no, John. It's just so lazy. No, John. That's resolution. Okay, that is resolution. Yeah. You've never heard of it. I get it. Closure. <laughs> it feels good. Okay. It, I, I kind of want to go back a bit to the movie itself and not just the errors at the beginning and the end um, or how it presented its intro and outro. But I wanted to say the this movie didn't lay any groundwork. It almost expected you to know some things. Maybe not know some things, but know why to care about some of these characters. You know what I'm saying? Like With uh, Hayden, uh, Tom, Tom Hayden, Jim Hayden the one character um it seemed like we were supposed it seemed like we were supposed to know that he was a writer who published things uh, or you know or we knew his political stances but how am i supposed to care about any of these characters um before i mean it literally just throws you into the trial it's not there's no groundwork beforehand it kind of gives you that five minutes of setup uh, then it just goes into the trial, which I guess is the point. I get that. But then you only have two hours to cover a, what, a six-month trial? There's just not enough time to do that. All the nuances right. in the trial, all the days of nothingness, and all the days of actual frustration and not just the big highlights and, you know, the big TV shots. Um, all All those subtleties and small things are just completely lost because we get this weird highlight or even almost a montage of different was, days in the trial. Who was the actor that played Tom Hayden? Because the name doesn't ring a bell to me, but the, I'm sure the actor... Eddie name. Redmayne? Okay, yeah, so so that dude, that was the Port Huron statement dude, um, yeah. which was like, they name-dropped that and you were just supposed to know who it was. Exactly. Um, so, so I only knew the Port Huron statement from last summer when I was doing a ton of reading and like really shifting again, not to get political or anything, but I was slowly indoctrinating myself to become a socialist. Uh, and uh, I, I, I was talking to uh, Shelby about a bunch of stuff and like he's giving me recommendations and whatnot. And then it's going down a rabbit hole of different socialist, you know, texts and like, you know, different organizations and stuff. And one of the first big ones that uh, encompassed like college aged individuals was like the first democratic socialist convention, which happened at Port Huron um, in Michigan, I believe. And so the Port Huron statement is this big like list of, you know, ideals and actual physical means of activism and ways that you can go about manifesting change as like a college age individual. And so it was like this huge, like fundamental text that basically set the basis for like a lot of what we would consider like the Bernie side of the left um, now. Um, and either transitioned into people progressing further to the left and actually a part of like, you know, the, you know, abolish the police kind of far left movement that we see now in the United States versus like the Bernie left, which is more like, you know, legal weed and pre-college and, you know, shit that's important, but there's different, different lens to which uh, they're looking through the world. Anyway, I only learned that last year because I was like researching the shit out of a bunch of stuff and like randomly found it. And I was talking to Shelby about it. Shelby didn't even know what the Port Huron statement was. And I was like, yeah, of course people aren't going to know like seminal socialist text because socialism is literally pissed on and the United States is like this horrible, egregious thing. So I'm like, oh, go figure. Uh, so yeah, it's funny that that would be the way that you introduce one of these like 
seven super important characters for you know your whole plot point of your movie let alone who are actually you know manifested significant change in the united states as a whole like it's just hilarious to me that yeah you couldn't just set up the characters in any other way other than name dropping things they did and hoping yeah (laughs) it's 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 pretty hilarious how as we literally just talked about the intros and the outros treat us like we're idiots and then the actual script treats us like we're geniuses um (laughs) <laughs> and that's and a like, big problem because like, they, they spoke to you like you're an idiot because they're like oh you don't know what happened during this decade and you're like well yeah Martin Luther King fucking got shot there were fucking civil unrest because of civil rights like again there was a huge police brutality issue there were worries about economic downfall there was fucking Nixon and Johnson who were both kind of like pretty just awful presidents when Kennedy got killed like you know what i mean like in the span of 20 years there was like a lot of fucking murder and death and outrage and you're like yeah we kind of know what those two decades looked like you didn't have to fucking montage it for us and they're like but this one writer that you've never heard the name ever spoken out loud and who you may have heard of the one like seminal work that they did maybe yeah you should just know everything about them <laughs> you're like wait <laughs> if, if that if we knew that person was going to be in what you assume then we didn't need that intro because we knew what decade they were doing those works in. So it's like my True. mind just – I was just like blown away by how silly they handled most of their shit. And so I, I, I didn't think any of the direction or any of the cinematography or any of the editing was anything to write home about. Uh, nothing stood out to me in this movie. this was – yeah. It was um, very, yeah it was very also, inspiring. you know, the acting was all right, I guess. Um, Terrible. It's fine. It's right. terrible. I thought I thought Sasha accent was awful. Yeah, it slipped a few, definitely a few like, times. Several times. Yeah, several. Like more, like more than on one hand counting, which is just like that means that those were the best takes, right? Mm-hmm. You don't shoot one scene once, unless I guess Sasha Baron like, no, I don't do reshoots. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> which doesn't it, it doesn't seem like his forte. So I'm like, was he? Did he struggle that hard? And if so, how did he get cast? Did he just have like the perfect fucking like casting call and they were like oh yeah we you know who do great here fucking borat like let's get borat in here i'm sure he'll do great in this fucking serious movie like well it's not that serious we're gonna kind of make it comedic and then he goes in and he's like oh yeah you know he do a boston massachusetts accent he's like yeah certainly literally (laughs) my only note of the whole movie is his changing fucking accents the entire film they're just never they're never really super geographically placeable. You're just kind of like, eh, it's kind of like... It's, it's got some weird, like, fucking Frankenstein's monster you just sound like abomination. <laughs> like, I mean, you just kind of put that on for a second. Uh, I do, I do want to shout out, uh, I, I don't remember his name, so I'd write it down. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, uh, the guy who played the eighth defendant. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to shout out because he's fucking fantastic and everything. He needs more work. He was amazing as Dr. Manhattan. So I shout that out real quick. Before Dude, Yeah, he, he was actually really before I call out Frank Langella or Langella, Langella, the guy who played the judge. Uh before I call out that, I don't know if you call that a performance, guys. I really don't. That was I either the script was so dry and that's the character we got out of it. Or he just—he was playing a judge. He—I felt that like that was so phoned in. It hurt. It actually hurt. It it teetered way too far on the side of comedic judge. Ha ha! He's the stupid idiot judge. Make fun of like a Three Stooges sketch or something. Uh, 
Well, and again, I don't know. Aaron Sorkin seems like he might be the type to like try to get the actual like you know what's the term thing that the people write and they're typing in their weird shorthand. Um, but basically, the script, the outline of what happened during a trial. Yeah, he seems yeah, like the type to get his hand on that and like try to get as many actual quotes in because like obviously the general consensus, well not general consensus, the left-minded people's view of what happened in that courtroom was that the judge was an incompetent asshole who clearly made his decision before they got into the courtroom, right? right? And so I feel as though most of the script that was written had that in mind and probably tried to use as much real-life quoting as possible when they were trying to reenact the scene um, that actually happened. And so, again, I don't know how much that's true, but, like, I'm trying to relate to, like, you know, the O.J. Simpson miniseries, Right. They tried to use as much real shit as possible, but clearly they ad-libbed. Right. They ad-libbed well. This probably tried to use as much real shit as possible and ad-libbed poorly, <laughs> you know? So it's just like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't blame him for the acting, though. I think that's probably more just the script and the general demeanor of how the tone of the whole movie was just wrong. And so the tone was wrong. It's hard to act well. You know, even if you're acting well, it just looks mediocre because the tone's off. So you're like, I don't know how to feel about what was just said or what just happened or what just unfolded. Yeah, uh, this, uh, I mean, if I just want to cap it off, it just felt lazy. This felt uninspired. And He's I'm, really good in uh, Captain Fantastic, Frank uh, Langella, whatever yeah, his name uh, is. I, I'm not saying exactly. I'm, I just meant the whole movie. It feels so lazy and uninspired. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying any of the people working on this movie are lazy. But just this movie, yeah. <laughs> Coming out of it, right? this could have this could have just been a mini series, like an OJ thing or a Netflix docu series. Yeah. If it they could have been like, a series of the OJ. It could have been an eight episode, eight yeah. episode mini series. Each episode follows one of the eight characters. Yeah. That's you my whole backstory. That's my problem with there was no groundwork. You just had to force yourself uh, to care about some political event that you might know. And it's it's Netflix, right? So they totally mm -hmm. could have done it. Mm -hmm. It was. I think it was just another like Netflix. Oh, like, this, so is, this is current. Let's just grab a movie and ship it off. Put put the label on it and let it go. This was definitely you know, a. Come out, by the way, they come out soon, don't they? What? Like all the pandemic movies that are supposed to be like Netflix originals about a <laughs> man in a war do the pandemic. Uh, give it to HBO Max. Already did one. <laughs> so, right. Uh, but I just I don't know. This is the worst Judas or the. Worst just, version just of literally and objectively worse. It's the, almost the same subject matter. It has like three to five of the same characters. Um, it's crazy, the man. The uh, the real life cinematic universe has to be one of the most crazy <laughs> cinematic universes. It was um, like, did you see Fred Hampton? Poster. Yeah, did you see Fred Hampton? It was like a cameo because that's referencing Judas. You get it. <laughs> real life CU. <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine the poster that how big and dense of heads it <laughs> it's just like, a timeline like all the marvel characters it's but it's timeline. any person that's ever been in a movie and real ever it's yeah. huge it's a, um, it's a huge mural i'd give this a six out of ten five five out of ten this wasn't drunk me thought it was like nice because it was it wasn't heavy but i was drunk so <laughs> I was yeah i mean yeah i was, I was very inebriated dark. when i watched it also um and it made it probably better because uh, now on recollection, I like I forgot about the text like you said it had funny moments and you're like haha but yeah. you know like over as a movie but I don't need like, those yeah. funny moments right yeah. it, it made it very watchable but yeah. this should be the type of movie that you like don't yeah. really want to rewatch like there should it should be so dramatic and so intense and 
you know, in the case of how most of these things turn out, so fucked up that you're like, God damn it. You know what I mean? Yep. You usually end with the sense of like, either you feel like inspired to like try to do more in your own life or you're like, man, those guys really got fucking shafted. And in like, neither of those things happened in this movie because it was literally just so uninspired. It was like people were trying to make something relatable and made it like as least relatable as possible. <laughs> but how closely was it released in uh, in relation to Judas and the Black Messiah? So they're both up for Oscar this year. Yeah, months. same year. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I wonder if it was like they saw that and they're like, "Well, let's just do the light version," you know, like as Netflix just trying to like, you know. I don't know if you said light or white, but light. both are correct. Both are correct. Both, <laughs> totally both. Yeah, no, absolutely both. Um. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, because, like, if, like, I know we're comparing it to Judas and the Black Messiah, it's and I doubt to. they wanted us to. Right, it is hard not to, but I think if they had made it serious, then uh, that would probably have affected their score in relation. So, so Judas came out, like, Judas. four months later. Um, it was shit, October versus February. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Netflix just sucks. I guess at the same time, if this movie tried to be heavy and drama filled, we might be like, "Oh, it just tried to be Judas," you know? Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I it was a lose lose. Yeah. I think they could have they could have afforded to just not make it. They could have just made a better movie. That's, <laughs> that's no, no, no. Like, I, yeah, like I, I swear, now that we've said it, you could have kept the comedic tone because, or I shouldn't say you could have kept the comedic tone. But you could have had a miniseries, and that would have been the best way to do it because the episodes with the comedic relevant characters, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, maybe the courtroom proceedings they're in can be comedic. But, but like, it is so much easier to do than an eight part series. Oh, I mean, for sure. And it's way cheaper, and it's way less yeah. shooting, and it's way less scenes, and it's way less settings, and it's way less production crew. And still, the for sure. Like, probably their, but, like, their top of the list was convenient. Right. But we're talking about. You know what? How could this be improved? And I think genuinely, the only way, especially if it was released in the same time frame, is if it were a series. Yeah, no, there you have it. Not very good movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah, five, five, maybe a six. You could maybe talk me up, but <laughs> I think I'm okay with that. I'd give it a six. Yeah, uh, Soft I, you six know what? I'll say it's watchable, so I'll say a six. No. That's the problem. Yeah. I think it's totally watchable. Yeah. But given the context, subject matter, the way they chose to do it, the year they it wasn't released good. It. Yeah, yeah. The time frame is just so. They had a lot. I shouldn't even have any expectations. Right. You know, and I really didn't. But I'm like, because I, I at least tangentially know what this is going to be about. I have a certain like, you have to do a certain thing. Just you know, what I mean, like if you're doing a movie about Martin Luther King. It can't just be like some piece of garbage. You know what I mean? It could be fine. It yeah. could have been okay. There could have been things you wanted better. And it can't like, end and happy it's gonna with be the judged text a little bit harsher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can't it's end happily. Like it just, the FBI and CIA live to go fight another day. Anyway, point being, uh, I, I'm, I'm going a little bit harsh. Oh, you're fine. I'm not yeah. It's great. <laughs> All right, uh, and then we got the uh, goat himself, 2015 to Butterfly. You can go. I remember first uh, listening to this when this came out, and oh, I just, I, oh, I just didn't, I just didn't get it back then. But you know, like, I guess just getting older, kind of seeing all the things that he's like actually talking about, and because you know, like, this came out, you said 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we were still in Ashland, Kentucky, being taught 
rural Kentucky bullshit about what's been going on forever. And, you know, now, like, I listen to him, I'm just like, damn, like, he's, he's talking about, like, a lot, like, just the whole time. And, it, and he did, like, in his other albums as well, obviously, but I don't know, it, just, it, it was, it hit different this time around. I, this, this album just slaps all together. Yeah, I won't uh, name names, but I recall when this album came out, like, just the, the majority of people I was hanging out, and even, you know, Good Kid, Mad City to an extent, but, you know, there's a couple of songs um, on that that really aren't political or talking about anything that, like, from like a white conservative audience that would be considered controversial outside of normal rap things. You know, they might be talking about drinking, they might be talking about smoking, they might be talking about sex and gambling or whatever else, but like, yeah. you know, it's not about like racial politics or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and like, I remember this album specifically, like a few people were like, oh, you know, like I didn't really give it a chance because it's just too political for me. It's too political for me. Like that was the phrase I heard a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And so like I had this like weird taint in my mind about what it would be like. And then it was like, it came at me super weird and it wasn't like very conventional rap. It was like jazzy productions as fuck. And then he was like basically crying over a song. I was like, this is like avant-garde Kendrick. I don't know. Like something was like bad, like a bad taste was already in my mouth before it started. And so I kind of remember just like flipping through it quickly and be like, and then, you know, a lot of friends who like really like, again, I can't stop talking about Shelby, but like, you know, Shelby was like, yeah, that was like amazing, dude. It's crazy. Talking about so much important shit. And I was just like, Really? I'm like I'm not that big of a Kendrick guy, you know, like I the songs I like and Tip of a Butterfly sounded okay, but like he was at Bonnaroo and I like wasn't hype at all to go see him. Uh so I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll I'll I'll, I'll fuck around and pull up drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, was like, so I was like, Okay, whatever. Uh and then of course now, you know, I've listened to it once before, like two or three years ago and thought it was amazing. Um I wanted to re listen to it again, because again, new context, new eyes, you listen to a bunch of music and stuff, but uh Fucking awesome. Uh yeah. period in the end. Just incredible through and through. Uh we can get into more specific notes. Do you have anything now before we Yeah, uh, okay, so this is a fantastic album. All right. I just want to put oh, that here's sentence the here's the before butt. I say the next thing. <laughs> this is not easily digestible. No. No. This no, is not fucking easy. And no, it's I... not a, it's not a super like first approach to Kendrick album by any means. Well, I'm just I'm just saying any artist or whatsoever. I'm I'm Fair. saying um, I would never be in the mood just casually one day. Oh, let's pop this album. Even if I'm sad or angry, like no matter the emotion, it's just I don't think I'd ever casually put this album on unless I'm specifically looking for to pimp a butterfly. You know, yeah. there's. Yeah. In which, I mean, it's a credit to itself because it's unique as fuck. It's yeah, awesome. It They're amazing tracks. The production's insane sometimes. There's some tracks that are, like, not my favorite, but there's never anything terrible. There's nothing anywhere close to terrible on this album. So I just wanted to say, it's just, it's weird to me that I really love what he tried to do and how he did it, especially in the second half of the album, just... It was just like back to back to back. I was like, oh man, he did it again. He's doing it again. Uh, Just throwing different layers and subject matters, yada, yada. But God damn, it's hard to listen to, man. It's, (laughs) I I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the next time I'll be listening to this album, you know? Like I listened to it. I was, I had to go uh, on my way to my vaccine. So like I had a whole drive. It's like an hour and 20 minute drive to just listen to it. So I was like, okay, sweet. I listened to it all. And I get through it, and you know, like you hear that, um, the the kind of like dialogue outro about like him talk, like reading that poem about like you know the chrysalis and the butterfly, yada yada yada. Yeah. And then 
I went ahead, like, I just kept it on repeat and so like it started over and then if you listen to the last song going into the first song again it's just like it's like it's another experience that just kind of like keeps going just i was just like holy shit like it just this guy this guy just put it on loop he don't miss it's crazy like and so like i went ahead and listened to it again like um on the way back so good well and so about this album and damn too uh because there's like you know there's literal whole fucking conspiracy theories dedicated by the stands uh to fucking Kendrick's last two albums. Um, so there's like obviously a bunch of important issues and stuff, but like just from the standpoint of like, you know, we frequently talk, or at least I frequently talk about like albums construction and like, you know, how rarely we actually ever listen to the first song as the artist intended all the way to the last song. And so like most of the time there is like a vision behind an album. And so like the Benny Blanco one, just like songs he made with friends, there's no like, you know, uh, Hamad homogeneity you know like it's not homogenous um homogeny i think it's homogeneity but i don't know that for sure i don't know doesn't matter um it's not homogenous uh you know there's there's not a clear flow for track by track whereas in something like this it is like so well thought of you're almost like taken aback by how well things transition to each other and like it's not just the beats it's not just the bpms it's not just the lyrics it's like literally everything just the soundscape of it um and of course He's talking about, you know, the prison industrial complex. He's talking about being black. He's talking about, you know, being depressed. He's talking about fucking just just really heavy shit. And it's a heavy ass album, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, you like come in and like you're like, all right, which yeah. you could listen to how you want, right? As like the radio hit that it was, and not really think anything about it. But then you can also like sit down, lyrics pulled up and listen to all right and you're like fuck <laughs> you know or i uh another huge uh fucking radio hit i think um, that was the radio hit i was i think that was the nba finals song but like in like king kunta you know what i mean like yeah. they're like they're like three big hits off this album um which everyone was like oh my god kendrick like listen to what he was saying it's so fucking crazy and then you're like well did you like listen to that whole album because like it's almost like you can't even listen to singles off the album anymore. You know what I mean? Because like, again, with the reading of the poem, you know, and it progressively, the stands, like he added more stanzas at the intro of each song until finally he was like reading the full poem. Um, it's just literal crazy. Like it's too much to digest. And I totally agree with you that it's not a super listenable album, but it's like, an, it's like going to watch a movie. Like no one plays a movie, stops yes. it, plays a movie, stops it. But like, yeah. if you want to watch this movie, like, oh, it's, totally worth your time and right. i think everyone should correct yeah. mm-hmm. and, so, and it's yeah, gonna it's... leave you thinking some things you know you can't just pop it on yeah um, yeah which well, like yeah i'm not i'm not saying that takes away anything no, i mean no, you know no. it's it's just a slight just yeah just a yeah. slight uh complaint i guess you know i don't mm-hmm. i don't we don't really define it as a complaint but um yeah right. this it's, was... just, it's just unusual for something to be so good and also me not want to approach it more often especially right. with music where like i can throw a song on a playlist and be like i'll listen to this a thousand times and never get sick of it gang signs pretty yeah. gives yeah. <laughs> so uh what i kind of came to a conclusion it's crap i totally lost my train of thought uh um, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna say something and then you were like um yeah i I mean um like like you said you know like you can go in and like listen to all right or i 
but yeah like it's i mean like having listened to the whole album and like kind of like un- understanding it better this time it's like i, I don't know personally like i don't want to just go pick out one out of this album just to listen to like it's it, like in, and like you said john like it really is just like it's like this whole experience that he intended you to listen to and you know to try and digest you may not be able to the first time like i definitely didn't um but you know like I hate that this man isn't getting Grammys. It's <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. This man, this man deserves fucking. Yeah, drugs. so so we're not going to talk about the obvious Grammy situation. Uh, I actually yeah, got my train yeah. of I got my train of thought back. There you go. Yeah, what Jeez, I wanted man. to say. Thank you, Hunter, uh, for covering. <laughs> but what I wanted to say, this is the first album. So you know, I, I listened to our album of the week maybe once or twice before the day, and then I listened to it again the day of. This is the first album where I was just. I was afraid I was going to miss things, you know? Same. Literally, I, 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 I listen to a little bit of it, like, every day. I'm like, I just don't want to forget. Like, like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to – I'm not the type of person to look up lyrics and just read them line by line. I hate that. I yeah, don't do that. Like, that's just not my – yeah, yeah, I'm not hating. I'm just – that's not yeah, the way yeah, I yeah, do it. And yeah, so this album, I just felt like there's so many lines and layers and the way he changes man, subject matter. Like, there was – I can't think of the exact song – but he started off, started off, I thought he was talking about his dad, and then it sounded like he was talking about, like, a future son or something, and it just, yeah. it was very complex. I wish I had written down the, uh, which title it was, I think it was in the second half. Um, he's like, he's like freestyling over, over just jazz solos, no drums, just, and he's just literally just giving it, it's insane. Yeah, the way he's, he's able to weave his experience into all these tracks especially i love the song where he's like crying just pretending yeah, to be I was drunk. about to say the hiccuping the hiccup oh my god yep. <laughs> i literally uh, i can't express that he's crazy. literally the greatest of all time literally uh and this this is all your only proof you need you don't have to even listen to any rap music just listen to this and you go okay there's not gonna be anything better than this ever uh and it's because He's got so much range, clearly. He clearly had, like, the thematic direction and mode, all right? So he was already, like, fully engaged in his artistry. But then you go, like, for ignore any lyrics, right? Just, like, his vocal delivery and performance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He already has a cool rap voice when he's just rapping and doing bars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, what's that fucking... Oh, God. I just had it. It's like an ASAP Rocky, him, Drake Goosebumps. song. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? It's like from high school. Yeah, I was like, this is it's like old... a big band. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like Justice. Kid Mad- I don't know what you're thinking of. No, no, no that's not Good Kid Mad- It was like I think it was a rocky song that like they were all featured on. It was. Uh, it's like the Lamborghini Mercy type thing where like six rappers get on track and just throw out bars for a the while. things I hate. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, so you know, like he's proven and talented, but then he comes at you with this, and it's like he can get so evocative with just like again like the emotional range that he has so he can just be delivering actual raps he can be literally like cry spoken wording over a jazz instrumental and not only does it sound good but it's like you don't even have to know what he's saying to feel what he's feeling and that's like one of the best parts of like a good movie like uh interstellar when there's like no dialogue it's just a score just the ambiance and it's just fucking matthew mcconaughey like you know going through the weird time tunnel or like you know, I mean, he says Murph once, and it's like, 
it's that feeling like your jaw just drops and you can't your shoulders shrug you're like uh <laughs> i don't know what's happening but it's awesome uh and that was like my same experience with this i was like this fucking dude is just crazy um yeah super hype and also uh just a random tangent but like i guess so like good kid man city came out 2012 mm-hmm. um and i think it was like 2014 he announced that he was like working on this thing and basically like the principal uh trajectory of like how this whole thing scoped out was he was going to south africa a lot and visiting uh nelson mandela and like talking about you know nelson mandela in prison and all this shit and like a lot of that and how like a part of south africa and what nelson's Adele, nelson mandela's imprisonment meant um and of course that's a you know black dude in a predominantly white country oh. being imprisoned <laughs> wrongly for years oh, uh, and you know how hilariously topical that is one you know his life and then two just like what it is to be black in america it, it was just like crazy that you know not only did that just like sequence of events happen to coincide so this is also like you know because off the back of ferguson and a bunch of rioting and protests that at least for me because i was you know the teenager when this came out felt like something that was new that was going on. And then, of course, you do your research, and you're like, oh, it happened in L.A. in the fucking 90s. Yeah. And it happened, uh, you know, in Chicago. And so you're like, okay, it just happens all the time uh, because our country's fucked. And it's just funny that a lot of things coincided and happened to perfectly, like, align for him to come up with this idea that is actually, like, so far-reaching that I could even consider calling it goaded because it's literally, like, it talks about there were like seven generations of people that every song in this album has an impact towards in their life, or at least can evoke like a, a you know, sympathy from, you know, like you can totally relate. Uh, and it's just crazy that he could do that because I don't know of another album that could do that. You know, you know, when it comes to hip hop albums, I'm not sure there's another one that I can just even compare to this. I think you said it earlier, avant-garde in a way. Uh, yeah, it's totally like, avant-garde. There's yeah. no other way to put it. It's yeah. like it's, it's so unlike other so rap out of the box. Period. <laughs> and, uh, and it's definitely Dre it's almost weird calling it hip hop. Is that just me? I I, f- I feel weird calling this just just rap. You know, I felt like it transcended it's, a bit. You know, yeah, he's yeah, rapping. Honestly, it, it's like it's like a a black experience album, and like that's why that's definitely why I the first time was by no means able to process it i was like i just don't even i can't even understand you know shoot but like seeing all this stuff happen over the past several years and like how it's just been continuing you know like you just kind of get it a little bit better yeah but, this this album's yeah, probably just gonna age is, better with time. yeah honestly yeah it's probably gonna Which hit for more years <laughs> like we're just gonna have to be like yep this is still still hot yep still hot I, this was a this was produced by dre right isn't I think a lot of it was. Of, I think there's a bunch of production credits, though. I think like Flying yeah, Lotus you, like, on You this. can definitely hear it on like. Um, so you say, I mean, Thundercats on it. There's... Yeah, I think Boy Wonder. <laughs> Going back, I was like, man, all these, all these people For, that I love. Uh, that uh, Anna right. Wise woman I listened to that album. She's on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's mm-hmm. on this album. Yeah. So good. Snoop Dogg. Yeah, this is this yeah, Snoop tough. and Dre are on a track again together. I was like, oh shit. Fucking, um. I don't know how you say his name, but Bilal, 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 or Bilal, but I don't know. Um, that Philadelphia R&B artist dude, uh, he's fucking dope. 
um, and he's on um, Congratulations was like the first track off of Divine Feminine for Mac Miller, uh, which is my favorite song about that, uh, and can't do any wrong. And I literally hadn't heard of him outside of that one song. And so it's funny that he was like literally on Kendrick's album the year before. Uh, and I had no idea because I didn't really give it the time of day that it deserved. Dude, that's how it was about Thundercat. I was like, oh, this man was doing this shit. That's crazy. I mean, I, yeah, Thundercat's I... been working forever. Yeah, no, he was on, uh, he was in, he was in a, like a metal band I used to love. He played bass for, I want to say it was, it wasn't, was it, it wasn't Kill Switch Engage, was it? It was, it was them and someone else I used to listen to a lot. He was in that. Suicidal Tendencies. He was in Suicidal Tendencies? <laughs> okay, I, I thought you were looking. I, I would but... definitely, uh, if I were to suggest anything, I would definitely suggest you guys listen to uh, K Dot's first mixtape that he put out. I think it's probably on Audio Mac or something. I, I forgot the title of it, but it's like Section Eight, right? No, that it was before Section Eighty. Um, it was a little, little EP that he put out. It's they're very clubbing songs. You should definitely hear them. And is it's... it released as? K dot or is it a Kendrick? It should be K dot K period dot. Um, yeah. Should be somewhere. Maybe it's on uh, what what Datpiff or something. Is it overly dedicated? Yeah, I forgot the title of it. I just remember the sound. And this it's is a 2010 album by yeah, Kendrick. That sounds, that sounds maybe. Uh, but he definitely has evolved. And I hope, I mean, I'm sure he has, but from that period to just to Pimp Butterfly, it's insane how much evolution one artist can go through and, yeah, and deliver such a project like this. Um, it, you know, if I were to put a score on this, I'd probably give it a nine, but you could probably talk me up. Like, <laughs> if I, someone were I'd, adamant on a ten, you know, I'd be like, no convincing <laughs> that this album <laughs> was perfect. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, he... I mean, like, like the thing is, like, I don't know, for me to, like, really think an album is good is, like, is if you get your point across. Right. And, like, it doesn't have to be the first time, but the fact that it, it does and it's maintained this relevance for six years now is just, like, you know, like, it only aged well. Yeah. So, if you got, like, an eight, it's definitely a ten. <laughs> like, I mean, just over time. Yeah, I think I... I going to give it a 10 and i don't think i'm wrong to give it a 10 but i was trying to think what other things are even like close i don't know and i I couldn't tell you any rap things right nothing no one does like no one else did this but i mean like i also go there are songs i don't really recall but it's also like you know there's movies where i can't tell you all the scenes forward backwards right like i would just need to watch the movie that many more times Mm -hmm. but there was nothing that was ever out of place there was nothing that felt off tone there were lyrics that i was like what the fuck is he saying like why is it so intentional and none of it was a throwaway yeah so i'm like for all the great things that i did like about it there were no detractors it was either like neutral or perfect and (laughs) i don't i don't know any other project ever that has only had neutral or perfect things for me yeah, um, there there may have been you know very minor lulls, but there was never any drop off quality or anything yeah, like right. definitely is definitely intentional just to kind of like slow it down. You right. Know? Like I mean, like because like anyone who like listened to this the first time and totally like understands all of the content, they're a liar. Is probably just like floored, <laughs> like literally just like oh my god, like just, ugh, insane. 
by the way, that song you were mentioning earlier is fucking problems. Fucking problems. Oh, <laughs> yeah, how do we forget yeah. that? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I know this song. I was like, this, was like, this is like, literally oh. like one of the biggest yeah, songs. The hottest box of, of the teens. Okay. Uh, Can we convince the fucking biology teacher whose name I won't drop? Uh, that me, you, and Cameron Garner were the three rappers on that song. <laughs> she was like, this is you guys? I was like, oh, yeah. Wow, you guys are really good. <laughs> Any uh, last comments? I, I don't want to cut it too short, but uh, I don't oh, yeah, know. Two I hours, like I think it's a pretty short one. I feel like I've said my, my piece on this album. Yeah. I, pretty I, or, fucking uh, amazing. How about, how about, Top tracks, top tracks. Top track. I just put the second half, man, because I thought the first half was like I, you know, I mean, not just I, but you yeah, know, there were good everything, things. Everything from the freeform jazz slam poetry on, incredible. And then when you listen to that last song, going back into the first track, just instant top of the roller coaster again. I'm ready to drop in again. It's just so good. Yeah, uh, easy ten. I would literally say the last half of the album is my highlights. Not even just a three track thing. So you couldn't pick three that were the best? It's just all half? Yeah, could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't write them down. I didn't write them down. Having known All Right did re- give a little bit of that, you know, that party feel relief. But like you said, you know, looking at like the actual content of the lyrics. Here, hold like, on. If you want specifics, oh, I'll, I'll look it up real quick. Because for me, mine were King Kunta, which was still just too good of a song. Slaps. Uh, uh, what was it? I had it marked here. Oh, uh, Mama, uh, how much a dollar cost? And then kind of tied, but not quite there for me, was the Black or the Berry. Um, and I would also just like to say, because again, we don't hardly talk about it, album art, goaded, goaded, just amazing album art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, he chooses track titles with meaning. I don't have to, like, go, what, what is this thing? It's immediately relevant what he's talking about, and it immediately sets and keeps the feel and the tone of the whole project. Like yeah. the black of the berry, everyone was saying, and clearly it's about race and his identity. And it's just like he's a fucking genius, you know what I mean? Like every time, if there's nothing about this that doesn't make me go, dude, you're fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I'm looking at it pretty much. Mama on, just mama on. Mama. That's that's everything after that. Starting from Mama, yeah. that's that's my highlights. Honestly, though, I think my favorite track is for Sale, which is right before Mama. Mm. As I was saying, my, but my then, parts and, like, all start from All Right and Down. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, I, I could cop out and say, you know, Wussy's Theory on. But I think for Sale, I don't know, just like, it just slows it down in such a way. It's more of an R&B type song. It's just, uh, I remember hearing that one in the car, and I've, I, I hadn't heard that song before. Or at least I don't I don't remember. And it just hits. So I also like that he has interludes on this and they're not like those has, fucking thirty second like album. Yeah, it's like, like not? It's a no, song. No, no, no. I'm, just I'm saying it's not like other albums that have interludes that is like a thirty second snippet no, to I try you. to decompress and digest. And it's not even a song you know what I mean? It's like a half baked idea. And right. this dude doesn't have half baked ideas, thank God. Right, yeah, apparently yeah. he scrapped like two albums worth of materials for this. Yeah, I, I want to see. He bought like the, forty-five or something. I mean, songs have you, I, I think I linked you the other week when we were talking about his unreleased stuff. Uh, he has a SoundCloud thing called Unreleased, and it's twenty-five songs that he just never even cared about. He just posts on SoundCloud. 
Um, I'm not interested in it. Yeah, so give those a listen. I think, well, um, if I'm not mistaken, they actually they ended up, yeah, um, Untitled, Unmastered, yep, that's 2016. That's a different one. That's a different oh, one. Another thing. That's a whole sure, I remember one. that. Yeah, see, I yeah. said that, and John and Lane told me it was that, and I looked it up. It was not that. It was not that? <laughs> yeah, it's literally called, like, Unreleased, and it's on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to be it for this episode, unless you guys have anything to say. That's it for me, big dog. All right, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, still an amazing album. Go listen to it, and uh, try the Chicago 7. Who cares? All right, our movie for this week is going to be the Netflix original Mank, uh, David Fincher movie starring Gary Oldman, and our album oh, I will... forgot myself to watch that one. And our album will be Parcels, titular album Parcels. Um, this has been episode 25 of The Worst Critics. I'm Noah Davis, joined by... John Pina. John Pina. Okay, and Whoa, our special wow. guest, Hunter Crump. We'll yeah. see you next week, and we are out of here.